This is an ASCII Live media production for the Manly Warringah Sea Eagles official podcast channel. This is the Golden Eagles podcast, hosted by Manly media manager Wayne Cousins, along with Sea Eagles Premiership winner and chairman of the Golden Eagles Association, Mark Bryant. Each week, Cuzzo and Boxy will be joined by a different Sea Eagles legend to relive some great moments from our proud history and to find out what each of the guys are up to now. The Golden Eagles podcast is proudly presented by Wormald, a classic sponsor of the mighty Manly Warringah Sea Eagles. Now over to Cuzzo and Boxy with this week's special guest. And welcome to another episode of the Golden Eagles podcast. Hello, Boxy. Good to see you again. Cuzzo, good to see you again, mate. We're back. Yet again, they keep bringing us back. Must be doing something right, I guess. Or it could be just the guests that we've got on board. Well, who's our special guest today? Special guest today, another legend uh, of our club. 107 games for Manly, 40 tries uh, between 1975 and 1981. Two-time premiership winning centre. A real speedster in the day. It's Siegel 233, the great Russell Gartner. Welcome, Russ. Thanks, Boxy. Thanks, guys. How are you, Russ? Good to have you with us, mate. Now, let's go back to the beginning. A young Russell Gartner. You come from a family with a strong rugby league background. Your dad, Jim, and Uncle Clive played for the Bulldogs. Well, back, maybe back then, the Berries. Tell us about the family. Well, absolutely, yeah. It uh, goes deeper than that. It's the uh, Gartner and Hartwell family, which were all uh, pretty much synonymous with the Bulldogs. My grandfather, he actually uh, scored the first two tries uh, for Canterbury on the uh, Sydney Cougar ground, Jack Snowy Hartwell. So, And his son uh, was a Bulldog. And, of course, my extended family, my great-uncle Joe, my uncle Ray, and then uh, obviously Dad and uh, Clive, all uh, all Bulldogs. Who was your team growing up then? Well, obviously it was was the Bulldogs, albeit uh, I lived in the Manly area. Uh, my dad moved out here when I was two to Eleanor Heights. So I grew up in Manly, but supporting Canterbury because uh, we'd often, well, actually, I'll tell a lie. <laughs> I'd have to detract on that. I did go and watch a lot of Canterbury uh, because Uncle Clive was playing, but I was a uh, St. George fan like most people those days. Just loved Reg Gaznier, and he was certainly my hero. So that was a great era of 11 straight until actually Canterbury rolled them in 1967 to end their, uh, their great run. These days, obviously, we all know your great nephew, Daniel Gartner, went on to play for Manly, of course, in Australia. Absolutely, yeah. Well, that's uh, Clive's son, mm. uh, obviously. So, yeah, both brothers had uh, sons playing for Australia. So it was a great feat, something to be proud of. Now, you started playing first grade in 1975, Manly. Tell us about your debut. My debut was uh, we were playing Newtown at Henson Park. I was just running out with the second grade team and I got grabbed by the collar, pulled back and uh, it was Cranky Frankie, uh, I turned around and I said, mate, what have I done? Nothing. He said, uh, you're up, you're playing first grade. And I sort of looked at him a bit dismayed. I thought, what, am I, what do you mean I'm playing first grade? I'm about to run out and, you know, for the second grade team. And it turned out my great mate, Alan Thompson, had uh, slipped over in the shower, so the story goes, <laughs> and, uh, and hurt his back. So he was unable to get to the game. So I thought, wow, but it was amazing because the first two people that uh, came up to me after uh, Frank grabbed me were Bozo and uh, Malcolm Reilly. They just grabbed me and sent me down and said, OK, we'll look after you. You just go out and you know, do your best. So it was something else. It's not bad to have an enforcer like Malcolm Reilly just saying, go out there, we'll look after you. Absolutely. For the stories that I've heard about <laughs> Malcolm Reilly, you'd be like, you'd be almost uh, bulletproof. But good that 
I suppose when you come into first grade, and, and it was the same when I came through as well, you know, the, the older blokes yeah. would look after you. You know, I came in obviously in the front row, but you, know, you had old hardheads. And when I got to Manly, it was, you know, it was Ben Kennedy, you know, and we just got on the back of him. So that's, um, that'd be, that would be a pretty awesome yeah. experience, especially, yeah. you know, Bozo and, and Mal coming in and, mm. and, and giving you the pep talk before the game, as well as obviously Cranky Frankie as well. Yeah, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was, yeah, some occasion. I was fortunate enough to score a try uh, off Bozo. And, uh, yeah, that made the day. It made it uh, very memorable. What was it about Bozo, the player? Like, just, you watch so many videos, and for people like us who never got to see him play live, what was it that was just made him so special? I think it was the unknown. If you're looking at a pure team player, uh, that wasn't Bozo. If you're looking for someone to win you a game out of nowhere, uh, that was Bozo. Uh, he was just a freak of being able to read the play and just know where to be at the right time and, Many a game uh, he won just out of you know, sheer brilliance. He, he was that type of player. Mm. And that's not belittling him as a team man. I didn't mean it that way, but he was just uh, you know, spur of the moment. He could run backwards faster than most people could run forward and uh, you know, get around guys that way. He was, he was a freak. Unbelievable. Now, 1976, you won your first premiership with the Seagulls. The 13-10 win over Parramatta, which, of course, was Manly's third premiership. Just looking through that team, Edie, Mooney, yourself, Bob Fulton, captain, Rod Jackson, Alan Thompson. Not a bad backline to begin with. Yeah, I was uh, very fortunate. I came into the first grade full-time midway through the 76 season. Uh, we played Parramatta out at Cumberland Oval, and anyone that knows Cumberland Oval will know it was a, uh, a horrible ground to play on. It was you know, hard as a rock, bone dry, crowds that were through the roof, and we played a pretty tough game against their second grade side. They were the leading team at the time, and I'm pretty sure we'd beaten them. Come off uh, pretty knocked up, sitting in the shower, and uh, or sitting waiting to have a shower, and again, call came, uh, came screaming. They said, Frogs, you're on. And I went, no, no, it's, they've only been on for three minutes. And they said, no, you're on. And as I was running out, they were carrying Ray Brannigan off, unfortunately, with a broken leg. So that was uh, that was the beginning of my first grade career at Manly full-time. Now, you just mentioned your nickname, Frog's Eyes, one of the great nicknames in the Seagulls Club history. Who was responsible and what was your first reaction? Well, the man responsible was the uh, captain of the second grade team that day. It was Fred Jones, well, the captain of the second grade team when I uh, when I arrived here. Uh, he was pretty good at giving nicknames. I can remember the first time I heard it. Uh, we were down at Time of Tide where we often used to drink. Yeah, we'd go and have a couple on a Saturday afternoon before the game and uh, before the Sunday game, sorry. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, he started calling me Frog's Eyes. And I thought, well, what's all these Frog's Eyes? And anyway, I still didn't know for a while until uh, one day someone showed me a photo of myself running with a ball and eyes were as big as frogs so it's, it's somewhat stuck uh, you know, I, apart from uh, my employment I don't get called anything but frogs yeah. so. so it's a nickname you, you actually enjoy? Well, it just stuck it's a nickname like, like it's one of the better nicknames seriously I got, I got Boxhead like box yeah. well, it's Boxy but that's yeah. shortened from Boxhead that I got when I was 12 and I was <laughs> born ahead and you know with grew into it basically but yeah there's some belters going around Wombat the, the one behind Wombat which Fredo gave as well is a belter as well Yep. now this uh, 76 grand final winning team we mentioned some names before obviously including Gary Stevens, Ian Martin Phil Lowe Steve Norton Terry Randall Max Krillich and John Harvey and you of course was coached by Frank Stanton what was it about uh, Terry Randall? We know how hard he hit, but what was it that just blew you guys away every time with just his ferociousness of the tackle, the strength? What was it? Right, he was fearless. Uh, he was one of those sort of guys whose pain tolerance was you know, extremely high. And you know, over the years, you just had to admire the guy. The, the times he got on the field where 
you know, during the week, you could see he couldn't, he, you know, he couldn't move, he couldn't train, and then he'd get out in the field and perform at 100% levels all the time. He was, he was just such a tough-minded individual and, uh, you know, a great guy with it and a great, uh, great player, obviously. Mm. Now, uh, we'll get to your second premiership in a sec, but in 1977, you were the league's top try scorer with 17 tries. You played two games for Australia in the 1977 World Cup. Tell us about making your debut for Australia. Yeah, obviously uh, that's the pinnacle of anyone's career. I think we all play the game, uh, A, to play with your mates, but B, to try and uh, get picked in those sides. And uh, I played in the first state uh, New South Wales-Queensland game and those days uh, you went away for the week. Uh, there was a Wednesday night team and a, uh, a Saturday team. Well, I was in the Wednesday night team because uh, Steve Rogers and Mick Cronin were the centres in the uh, in the main game. And I, I went okay. It was a wet, wet and windy night up in Brisbane, but uh, I certainly didn't think I'd go any further than that. So it came as a surprise. We played uh, South out at Redfern on a Sunday or Saturday, Saturday or Sunday and had a pretty fair game. I think I scored four tries and uh, that night uh, they named the side and I was uh, I was in the squad, so yeah, it, it was quite a shock, and it was a great shock, and uh, yeah, just to be a part of it was you know, something I'll carry with me for the rest of my life. When you found out that you're making your test debut for Australia, who do you ring? Oh, my dad, yep. uh, mum and dad, uh, straight away. I owe them everything for my career. Uh, you know, they used to take us all over the place oh. to uh, play sports, so. Certainly him, and uh, and again, that was a shock because Mark Thomas and uh, Mick Cronin were the centres, uh, and I was on the bench, and Terry Fernley called me up uh, on the Wednesday prior to uh, the World Cup final, and he said, uh, mate, you're in the starting side, and I went, what? I, I still thought I was going to be on the bench, but... Uh, it was an experience because, uh, you know, Marumi was Wombat and Alan McMahon, who were, uh, you know, two scallywags, two uh, pretty good drinkers, and, uh, well, it was some camp, let me tell you. <laughs> Boxy would have enjoyed that camp, I imagine. Oh, absolutely. The, you know, all the stories you hear about the good old camps, and the same as, like, even when, you know, when I was here, come in, the bonding sessions, were, you know, were, were great. You'd <laughs> come in straight in. Best way to get to know a bunch of blokes is just get in the pub, have a few beers, you know, and a um, few beers turn into a few a few more beers generally, and then it'd be run it all out the next day, and away you go. Mm. Well, the, yeah, the funny thing about that, uh, on the Wednesday, uh, we were staying out in Norellan at the uh, Rugby League Country Club, as it was known those days, and just down the road from that was a vineyard, so they thought, oh, we'll, we'll go down there for lunch, we'll take the team down there for lunch. Well, you know what happens at vineyards. <laughs> So, yeah, it was uh, quite a uh, quite an interesting training session on that Wednesday afternoon. Well, the bonding didn't hurt because 1977, you make the World Cup final and you score a 65-metre try against the Poms. Tell us about that. Well, it's now 95 <laughs> metres, uh, as I've, uh, I've told everyone. Look, uh, it was a, a, we were defending, uh, our, you know, it was a defensive scrum and uh, their, uh, their centre just got thrown behind his back a little bit and uh, I was coming up in defence and... It, uh, I tacked the ball, just popped up, and I was able to run away and uh, score the try. And yeah, that was uh, you know, just a great thrill. And I still remember Wombat was the first one there to grab me. And uh, yeah, it was uh, I can still remember every minute, second of that one. Yeah. Were you always a natural centre, Russell? I actually went to grade as 5'8". My first first grade game was 5'8". I was 5'8 all through my junior football, 5'8 uh, or fullback, because uh, I played juniors with Tomo, even though Al was a couple of years older than me. Uh, I played up a couple of grades, and I was playing fullback those days. But, yeah, I went into grade as a 5'8", and then uh, moved out in the centres when I got, got selected in the first grade side. 
Okay, now in 1978, how's this, Boxy? Russell scored 10 tries for Manly, and you played in, of course, the famous 11 all draw against Cronulla Sutherland. Then you scored two tries in the 16 0 grand final replay win over the Sharks. That whole experience, grand final, we spoke to Alan Thompson and Maxie, and no one knew what was happening at full time. No, it was the second year in a row also, because it happened in 1977 also uh, with St George and uh, Parramatta. And, you know, everyone was just sitting there looking at each other. And even Greg Hartley, the referee, we looked at him and said, what's going on? He said, bugger if I know. He said, but uh, it's a replay. He said, I don't know when. But as it turned out, the Kangaroos uh, were going away the following week, so it had to be midweek. Mm. That's amazing. Just you know, the energy and and to get up for a game like that, where you fight out an eleven all draw, and then to you know to back up a couple of days later. That's with the injuries that we now know yep. that the, that everyone yeah. had. Because I think you were busted. Yeah, Somehow I had a, that I had a hamstring, too. yeah. Hamstring. hamstring injury. Igor was, you know, having nine needles or something in, in every part. But yeah, I think it everyone... A, it was a needle-a-thon. Yeah, yeah, everyone was busted. And to come back and do that, it's one of the greatest, yeah, one of the great victories. And it really was a team of heroes when you look at it because the fact that, like you said, you had to play two games in, what, four days for the grand final replay, six games in 24 days. Mm. When you look back on that now, Russell, and at the time when we spoke to Maxi Krillich and Ellen Thompson, it was about just not giving up on each other, working hard for each other. If someone was tied, half-time, you would actually run off the field to fool the opposition into thinking these guys are not buggered at all where some of you just couldn't even walk. We didn't run off the field of our own volition. <laughs> I'm going to assure you of that. Uh, we were shit scared of the cranky man, the red-headed fella, and he demanded what we did. But, yeah, he instilled that belief in us right the way through it. Yeah, we went through a replay against Parramatta also uh, in the in the semi-final. We had to get through that. And then to do it all again, everyone just... I, I couldn't believe how we came out of the blocks on the on the Tuesday uh, as well as we did, personally. Okay, well, what we're going to do, we've just heard the uh, halftime siren here, Boxy and Russell. We're going to take a short break here from our sponsor, and we'll be back very shortly with the great Russell Gartner. The Golden Eagles podcast is proudly presented by Wormald, a classic sponsor of the Manly Warringah Sea Eagles. Wormald is a leading provider of fire protection solutions, helping to protect Australian people and property for over 130 years. Wormald's expertise spans the design, manufacture, installation and service of fire safety products and equipment, backed up with a comprehensive range of fire services, from engineering advice to fire safety training. You can rely on Wormald to help protect you. Visit wormald.com.au. And welcome back to our Golden Eagles podcast chat with the great Russell Gartner, two-time premiership winning centre for Manly in 1976 and 1978. Russ, after the 78 grand final, unfortunately you were admitted, left out of the 78 kangaroo tour. Seven of your teammates went. How did you take it at the time and, and how do you feel now looking back on it? Because your coach was Frank Stannon. Yeah, look, it was obviously disappointing. Uh, it, it was a mixed feelings. We'd uh, we'd won the premiership, which is probably you, you say playing for Australia is great, but winning a premiership with that team that we had, uh, a group of mates, is is really the pinnacle. And anything else above that is just you know it's a nice to have type of thing. But yeah, look, I was disappointed. Thrilled for my mates that uh, got picked, but it burnt a little bit. You've got to get on with it. Uh, nothing you can do about it, and move forward. All right, well, you have a few more years at the Seagulls, and then at the end of the 1981 season, you go to the Roosters. What happens there? Good opportunity, you just need a change? Yeah, no, well... Better-looking frogs over in the eastern <laughs> suburbs? <laughs> Probably a mistake. Uh, when, when I look back at my career, it 
probably if I had my time over again, I wouldn't have gone. Uh, but Bozo approached me and things weren't working out well here uh, at Manly. We'd had two pretty average seasons with new coaches and uh, I just thought there might be an opportunity to revive my career over there. Two years at the uh, Roosters, you go and join the Balmain Tigers. Played on the wing for the Tigers in the 24-12 loss to Canary Banks in the 88 Grand Final. I remember that one. Ellery Hanley, Terry Lamb, everyone remembers it. What was it about Ellery Hanley and B, that whole Terry Lamb incident? Like, when you look back on it, that really did change that grand final. Oh, it changed the game for certain. Uh, Ellery's a superstar, and he'd proven that right through uh, the season and, you know, in, in, in seasons gone by. But he got, uh, Baba got him good. Uh, there, was, there was no doubt whatsoever about that. That was the plan. That was the Canterbury plan to, uh, to get him. It was a grand final. It was obvious to me what happened, and uh, the referee was in the same line I was in but there was obviously no case to answer and uh, the rest is history. But again, that was uh, an amazing run. We uh, we had a playoff to get into the five, uh, so it was somewhat reminiscent to uh, you know, the, the Manly time and mm. we uh, we battled through that uh, that period. You know, the Bulldogs were just, uh, just too good on the day. He really was the X factor in that team, wasn't he, Ellery Hanley at that time, just to get you into that grand final. Like, for when he came over, he was just on fire. Yeah, he was. He was... He was you know, some player. You don't see too many of those uh, guys come along in, in your lifetime and he was a great athlete, great person and just talented. Okay, so the following year you're a non-playing reserve in the dramatic extra time loss to the Canberra Raiders. Uh, everyone remembers Blocker, Zero. I know this is a Golden Eagles podcast, but mm. as part of your career, what was that about the 89 side for you at the Tigers? I was probably uh, a year too long. Probably should have retired at the end of 88, but they did talk, talk me into playing again, but I got a few niggling injuries that I uh, really couldn't overcome uh, through that period and I put in a couple of pretty poor efforts in a couple of games in a row and unfortunately Warren just said, mate, you either need to give it away now or go back and uh, get refocused and I didn't want to give it away mid-season. Uh, I wanted to play it out. My ego wasn't such that I had to play first grade so I dropped down and I think I was able to help the guys um, a lot uh, in being in reserve grade and being on the bench and being around them, uh, in that regard, I got you know, my thrill out of seeing us make the grand final. But you know, I've always said to him, if I was on, Fergo wouldn't have scored. But uh, <laughs> and uh, but I've also said if they hadn't taken Block or Zero off, we'd have won the grand final. True, very true. You, you know, can't change time, bit, unfortunately. Bit sad, bit sad. But mm. What about uh, looking back at your time at the uh, Seagulls? Obviously, the two-time Premiership winning player, but it's your mateship still today. When we see you today, you're still great mates with Maxi, Terry. That's the good thing about the Golden Eagles as well, isn't it? What Mark's done sure. and a few others. When you get together for Golden Eagles Day, when you all get together, it's just a wonderful occasion. Look, it was a wonderful era of, of rugby league and, and not being disrespectful to any other eras now, but we, most of us were juniors. So most of us grew up in the in the area, uh, played local uh, park footy, came through the ranks there. Now, obviously and respectfully, that's uh, that's changed and it's changed for a lot of clubs, not just the Seagulls. I think that's that's what made it such a great part to be with, you know, knowing that you've watched some of these guys play Jersey Flag, President's Cup and, and then go into grade and then go on, geez, I'd love to be able to do that. And then you do do it. You go, wow. Yeah, no, it's a wonderful organisation, the Golden Eagles, and uh, hopefully Boxing yeah, is back bigger and better job. next year. Yeah, well, hopefully that's the thing. We're busy planning. I've actually got to get a, a few things out to um, uh, to the members. But, yeah, we're planning bigger and better things next year and always always around a couple of cold cans <laughs> <laughs> down at Brookie. Now, uh, 
you scored obviously a fair few tries for Manly, 40 in all. But do you have a favourite Seagulls try? Like, I know it's grand finals, but is there one suburban ground that just stands out? Yeah, look, uh, I think the the one that really stands out for me is the one I scored in the semi-final against Parramatta in that, uh, that year. Uh, I swapped positions with Alan Thompson and went down the blind side and uh, scored a try, which was a very important part of the game for us. And... Uh, it was uh, it was a planned move and it came off and when those sort of things come off one of those uh, one of those days. Couple but everyone I scored was a good one. Boxy tells me about all his tries all the time. <laughs> How many boxy again? Three. But someone asked me the other night about one and they said, "Oh, well, your first one was against Melbourne at Brookvale. What do you remember about?" It? I said, "I actually don't. I can't even really recall it." Set, I know, I set by, up, mate. Oh, no, oh absolutely, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Tries is king. Also. One against the Tigers and the other one was against um, North Queensland, which I got a great scar around my eye because ran in clashed heads with um, one of their front rowers and went straight over, and I had to go straight off after that because the ref wouldn't let me back on because it was pissing blood. So. <laughs> Couple of left field questions here for you, Russell. Outside of your beloved Brookvale Oval, now Lotto Land, of course, what was your favourite ground to play at? Like, obviously, the SCG special memories. Did you have another ground that you yeah. seemed to just enjoy playing in? You had a good success rate? Yeah, love the old sports ground, uh, which now becomes Sydney Stadium. We used to run the other way. It was a very fast ground. Uh, really, really suited me. Uh, and funnily enough, Leichhardt Oval, which I learnt to love when I went to play for Balmain, but I, I loved it uh, you know, prior to that. Yeah, the suburban rounds. Belmore Oval was a great game, uh, great ground to play at. Redfern and Cumberland were horrible. Yeah, I was about to ask, what was the opposite? Want to go there? Uh, <laughs> they, they were mad. They were absolutely mad. You could hear them screaming at you from as you ran out. It was, oh, it's Leichhardt, Leichhardt's a great ground, and you know it's it's much like a you know like a Brookvale, just packed in the hill. Yep. You know, yeah. just the, I don't know, just the the acoustics that you, that you get there is is really special. Yeah. Now, what about sledges? You would have heard a few good sledges over your time. Was there a, a one particular player from your era who was just the king of sledges and you just said, this guy's unbelievable? Well, I think Bozo. Uh, Bozo started it. <laughs> uh, I'm sure it was Bozo who started it. He and Tommy Rodoni just used to just go at each other. It was uh, it, it was incredible. Uh, but, yeah, I was always too tired to, uh, to sledge <laughs> anyone. I, I was trying to suck them in. And, uh, but, you would have uh, heard a few, too, when you played on the wing. You would have heard a few good calls from the crowds over the years. Oh, and... the crowd were always pretty good. You know, we had one occasion. I was actually uh, out injured, fractured my cheekbones. So I was running the line. And I don't know if you remember, Gary Jack had uh, the week forward uh kick Mario Fennick in the head got you know, penalized for it so we were I forget who were playing Penrith or does matter at Leichhardt and uh Gary had gone down I was running out and someone from the crowd uh yelled out how's Gary Jack's foot and I said mate pretty good I'll ask him for you and sort of thing and uh, <laughs> All right. uh, now, uh off the f- off the field what's Russell Garner up to these days work-wise and career-wise because I'm in the gaming industry, been in it for probably uh, the last 30-odd years. Work for a company called Scientific Games. It's an American company. We were an Australian company and have been bought out four times by American companies. People would mostly know Scientific Games from uh, scratchy tickets. That's uh, one part of our business that uh, they're, uh, they're synonymous with. I'm on the uh, hotel, club and casino side of it with you know gaming machines, uh, automatic shufflers. Look after a team of 15 people uh, across Australia and New Zealand, although not doing much in New Zealand at the moment. 
and something you obviously enjoy still? Oh, I love it. Uh, yeah, the club industry has been fantastic. It's something that it's nice to be still a part of, uh, having uh, seen what it was, what it did for us as uh, as young kids growing up and uh, playing rugby league. It's mm. it's nice to be able to try and give something back in that regard. And in terms of family, of course, everyone knows a famous daughter. You could almost say these days, yeah. Renee uh, has done some tremendous work in the rugby league industry as well, but also her boxing. Um, how's Renee going? But she's going good. She's got a few injuries at the moment. Uh, got a stress fracture that she's uh, trying to work through. Hopefully, she's uh, she wants to fight again. Uh, not sort of what you want your gorgeous daughter to do, but <laughs> she does pretty good at it. So, uh, what was your reaction when she first told your dad I'm going to become a boxer? Well, I always knew she had that attitude in her, so uh, that that grit. So didn't surprise me. I think her mother was more worried about it than I was. Um, we went to see her first fight, and because uh, mother's all nervous, and I made a fatal mistake. I said, "Don't worry, darling. It's only two girls fighting each other." <laughs> so you can imagine how that's gone Ooh, down. And, uh, yes. Jeez. Uh, uh, okay. Put it this way: I wouldn't get in the ring with her. Yeah. No, no, no. But she's obviously very dedicated with it all. And yeah, she's loving it. Obviously, her work in the media as well. She's uh, made a, a career for that as well. I remember when um, she was the media manager at the Gold Coast Titans. That's right, yeah. yeah, yeah. In the early right days. There. She is our, our go-to MC and superstar for all our Golden Eagles events as well. Garth is a, a good mate of mine from many years ago. So, yeah, yeah. she does, does good. Looking forward to seeing her get back uh, in, the, in, in the ring, hopefully. Yeah. this year, well, early next year. Yeah, hope, yeah. Yeah. Probably tipping more next year uh, with the way things are going, but mm. but it's uh, look, it's great for her. It's, it's no secret she has mental health issues and she works uh, very hard with mental health patients and and you know it's good for her to do this. And mm-hmm. she's been a great ambassador too for it. She's yeah, she's I'm been proud she's, of her. she's come yep. out and she's yep. said this is yep. my struggle. Absolutely, um, yep. and that's a wonderful story to tell as well. Yeah, I'm very proud of her. Uh, obviously, you don't want any of your children to suffer those sort of problems, um, but it's life, and uh, and she's doing a great job of uh, mm. of being the person she is and raising awareness for it, and yeah. you know, and really getting in front of it and, and helping, yeah, you know, so many people. The stigma in, in and around it as well, you know. Yeah. She's young, she's beautiful, yeah. she's successful, uh, and you know, it's allowing other people to come out and be open and have those conversations about it, which I think is is fantastic. And yeah. we all know she's got a good cheeky sense of humour because when you're with her, Russell, she always sledges you if you're at the same function yeah she's very very good at it uh, (laughs) but i get square privately but but, uh, yeah then i've got my son he's in queensland with my three grandsons and uh our 10 year olds uh state cross country champion and uh gps uh champion so he's following in uh in the footsteps uh we're all athletes cross country distance runners as kids growing up myself and my son and uh and now my grandson so and we know that you love the game of golf. Do love the How, game of how's golf. How's it going? It's going awful. <laughs> At least you're honest. It really is going awful. It's got as good as Boxy's game. Oh, oh, I mean, the horrors. Sam Harris, actually, um, and Beaver, I caught up with them on Sunday, and they're trying to get me to go away for three days. I haven't told the wife yet. Um, in <laughs> September to play golf. Like, we're just going to get away. I was like, I said, boys, I'm a shit golfer. Like, you know, they came, well, there'll be plenty of beers. I was like, okay, I think we might be able to work, we might be able to work this out then. Yeah. They've got you to carry the beers. That's, yeah. that's what it's all about. Absolutely. So, Russell, look, uh, congratulations on your wonderful career. Like we said, 107 games for me. Manly, 40 tries, two-time premiership winning centre, 1976 and 1978. One of the real great guys of the Seagulls, the Golden Eagles. You're always available to us, mate. Congratulations once again. Thanks for your time today. Ah, thanks, Wayne. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, Boxing. Cheers, mate. Cheers. This has been the Golden Eagles podcast, presented by Wormald and recorded in the studios of Manly media partner, ASCII Live Media. 
You can follow the Sea Eagles on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn. For more episodes and other official Sea Eagles podcast channel shows, head to seaeagles.com.au forward slash podcast. This has been an ASCII live media production for the Manly Warringah Sea Eagles official podcast channel. Thank <laughs> you.